The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Well, good morning, church. At the start of the week, my five girls said, Yes, we're going to come with you, Dad. We're going to come. I say five, including my wife. And, uh, but at the end of the week, I've learned now that uh, their yes at the beginning of the week is full of promise, but it's open-ended. It's just, we'll see what else happens, Dad, in the week, you know. So by the time Sunday comes, I'm on my own. Uh, I should learn by now. <laughs> Wonderful. My daughter tells me, Dad, when we say maybe, maybe is a polite no. So well, we're learning all the time as parents. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for the opportunity, Pastor Ann and Pastor John. Um, Pastor John rang me and said, uh, could you preach on December the 3rd? And I said, sure, sure. We'll change a few things around from our church at Liberty and because uh, I love coming here. And uh, John said, could you do something Christmassy? So I thought, sure. I said, I could, I could probably you know, put together a, a, a few songs, you know, three or four Christmas songs. And um, how many know when Pastor John doesn't like something, there's just silence, you know? He doesn't want to say no and offend you, so it's just that silence. You think, okay, I, I get it, you don't want me to sing, so uh, we'll just preach instead. So Nobody ever invites me to sing. I don't know why. I thought when I sang my wife down the aisle, Pastor Ann, you were there. I thought it was sensational, but um, no invitations to sing. Doesn't matter. I've entitled this morning's uh, message, Fake News. And uh, we're going to look at uh, the story of Zechariah. Uh, you remember this story in Luke. Zechariah was uh, married to Elizabeth and they gave birth to a baby boy called John, John the Baptist. And then uh, Mary and Joseph. And uh, they had a baby and his name was... Jesus. It's not a trick question. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just want to uh, contrast the two responses there of Zechariah to the angel Gabriel and then Mary to the, uh, to the news that uh, Gabriel brought her. And uh, I'm just believing that God will speak to us uh, from that. I simply want to make four observations from that text, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that we can draw strength from your word. We thank you that your word encourages our faith and it builds our faith. And I pray this morning, Lord, as we hear your word, as we share around your word together, that our faith will be strengthened. Lord, we've been singing songs about you and about how strong you are and what you've done for us. And so we pray, Lord, that uh, you will minister to us this morning. May your word minister to us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Just before we get to the text, Pastor Ann asked me to give you an update on my daughter, Georgia. So four daughters, Courtney. Uh, Isabel, Georgia, and Annalise. And uh, Georgia had a brain operation about six months ago. Um, Pastor Ann was there in the hospital with us. Uh, I know my wife, uh, and we both appreciated that. And uh, sometimes as husbands, you know, you just don't know what to do. You feel helpless and hopeless, uh, which I do most of the time. Uh, but particularly in those situations there, it's great to have uh, just that calming presence uh, I was going to say of a chaplain, but I mean, you're more than a chaplain to us, Pastor Anne. But um, uh, she had, was born with too many blood cells. And I know you've been praying for her and appreciate your prayers. And uh, some of those blood cells, they fight for a limited amount of space and they burst. And she had bleeding on the brain. I think they call that an aneurysm. Is that right? And uh, so she uh, was taken to hospital and they cut her open and took out those uh, blood cells 
and uh, sewed her back up. And uh, it all seemed so simple. <laughs> and uh, poor little Gigi, uh, 15 years of age. But uh, I tell you what was amazing is that she blogged her experience. And some of the lessons, I think she had 20 lessons I learned while I had a brain operation. And I'm thinking, my goodness, you know, uh, how amazing and resilient they are. But uh, she was back in hospital just a couple of weeks ago. She started a job at Woolworths as a checkout chick, and just the pressure, the extreme pressure of that. And, uh, and it was exam time that week as well, and so that just set things off again, and so she ended up back in hospital. But praise God, she's all good, and uh, thank you for your prayers. Uh, that's much appreciated. Wonderful. Uh, let's turn to the Word of God, Luke chapter 1. In fact, both these responses are found in Luke chapter 1. And uh, let's look at the response of Zechariah. We'll read the story to give us some context, Luke 1, 5 through to 20. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive And they both were very old. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Let's look together at Luke 1, 26 to 38, and this is the response of Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town, uh, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, 
you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he uh, and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Be it unto me according to your word. And the angel left her. Two great stories, two completely different responses, Zachariah and Mary. I remember it was 21 years ago in a few months that my wife communicated to me the news that we were going to be parents. At the time, I was youth pastor for Pastor John and Pastor Anne at Campbelltown City Church and Beth was working in the office there as John's PA. And at that time, I was working cleaning floors at Coles and I would start at two in the morning, get home at about nine, have a few hours sleep and then I'd come into the office at about lunchtime. I remember getting home one uh, morning and Beth had already gone to work. It was about nine and, and I just crashed in bed. And I saw this little, um, this needle thing on my bedside table. I'd never seen one of these things before. I, I didn't really know what it was. In fact, I didn't pay it much attention. Later on, I was to learn that it was one of those pregnancy tests. Whatever color it was, green, blue or red, I don't remember. But, but I remember seeing it, taking no notice of it and just went to sleep. Well, Back 21 years ago, there was no, no mobile phone. So you haven't got a phone right next to your bed. And I could hear the phone ringing in the family room. And, and it woke me up a couple of times. I thought, I can't be bothered answering that phone. Just went back to sleep. And then it rang again and rang again. And you know who's ringing, don't you? And, and so I just ignored it. Anyway, I got up and, and went into the office. And I got to the office and Beth gave me one of those stares that, that a wife gives a husband when you should know. You know, you, you, you know when you see that, you, you, you've said something that wasn't right or you haven't said something, you, you haven't replied, that, that you're in trouble, yeah? And it was that look and, and I'm there, what's wrong? What, what, what's happening? And she says, well, what, what, what do you think? And I'm thinking, okay, what have I done? What haven't I done? You know, what do I think? You know, you've got to narrow it down a little bit, sweetheart, because I'm really not sure where you're going with this. And she's there, well, what do you think? Tell me, tell me, what do you think? I'm there, I really, really don't know what to think right now, but I know I should be thinking something. She said, and, and to keep it quiet so the office didn't hear, because, you know, that's what you do. She said, we're having a baby, we're having a baby. I'm there, okay, okay, all right, now now I, I do need to think now, um, you've given me some context here, but uh, you, I, I left the pregnancy test on the table, oh, 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 and I was about to say I didn't see it, 
but, you know, she's already seen my face and my response, so she knows I saw it. I said, look, I've got to be really honest here. I, I've never seen one of those pregnancy tests. I didn't know what it was, but, I mean, thank you for leaving it there and communicating this wonderful news to us via a little needle on my bedside table. But uh, I get it, and, and wow, wow, we're going to have a baby. I'm going to be a father. I mean, I'm only just a husband by a couple of months, but, you know, now we're going to be parents. And, and I remember the, the mixed emotion, to be honest. I, I remember that, those feelings of, of disbelief in one sense, like, like uh, I know how this has happened, but okay, okay. And, and then that mixed with, with the excitement of we're going to be parents. And so in some sense, I, I, I identify with Zachariah's response uh, but I also identify with Mary's response. This good news of, of you're going to be a parent. I wonder how you responded, husbands, <laughs> fathers. How did you respond when, when you heard that news? Even mums, how did you respond? It, it's such an emotional time, isn't it? So I want to have a look at these responses and just draw four observations from them. Amen. Let me remind you of the two responses and then we'll look at it. Firstly, Zachariah's response. Verse 18, Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? And then he says, I'm an old man. And he says it nice and friendly and pastoral. Instead of saying, my wife's old, he says, and my wife is well along in years. (laughs) Smart man. (laughs) Then we have Mary's response. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Then in verse 38, her second response, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to your word. The first thing I'd like you to notice with me is the language of unbelief. The language of unbelief. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've discovered in life, eventually, the mouth will reveal what's in the heart. And I think this is what happened here for Zechariah. It's the language of unbelief. You see, unbelief has a language. It has a voice. And given the opportunity, it will speak. And here it speaks. Notice with me that Zechariah dismisses and disbelieves this prediction, this promise, the word of the angel. He responds, how can I be sure of this? At face value, it seems like a legitimate question. It's a question followed by an explanation. He says, I'm an old man and my my wife is old. We are both well beyond our years of having a child. We're well beyond our years of being parents. Now, while it appears at face value to be a fair response, but the fact is that it was dealt with so harshly by the angel Gabriel that it must have been more than a question. In the original language, four faithless words cost him 40 weeks of silence. 40 weeks of dumbness, 40 weeks of being unable to speak. The lips that spoke unbelief have now been silenced. Now, the irony here is that Zachariah is a priest. 
He's a righteous, upstanding, blameless, pious and devout man. He's a 99-year-old man in the temple serving and ministering and carrying out his priestly duties. One would expect that such a man of age and wisdom and character would have been uh, venerable. He would have been wise enough to have known of divine things. He would have been wise enough and strong enough in faith and in the power of God to have believed this promise. If anyone would have believed, it should have been Zechariah. But he doesn't believe. How can I be sure of this? He responds. It's not a question, but rather a faithless statement. In the original language, it's a refusal to believe. It's a statement of intent. I don't want a child. My wife does not want a child. We do not want to be parents. And for this response, the consequence of his unbelief is severe. Some commentators believe his explanation of old age is a desire for evidence. Evidence. Give me evidence. I don't believe what you're saying. It can't be true. I I don't want it to be true. Give me some evidence. You'd be familiar with this thought. I watch a few of your recent sermons and know that you've come out of a series on miracles where Pastor John last week summed it up. uh, John's accounts with the word believe. Believe. You see, faith believes. Faith believes first and then seeks to understand. But for Zechariah, he refuses to believe. And somehow, some reason, he cannot locate the faith to believe. I've discovered that faith unpracticed becomes uncomfortable. Maybe Zechariah's priestly duties had become religious obligation. No need for faith to minister and to serve. It's a lesson for me of how important it is for me to keep my faith fresh. For you never know when the angel may visit. You never know when the Spirit of the Lord comes to you with a word like this. You're going to have a child or whatever the word may be, whatever the promise may be. But one thing I know is that when the Lord speaks, he is looking for faith. He's looking for faith. He's looking for us to believe in him. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. The just walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. God is looking for faith. Second observation from this story, high hopes, deep despair. High hope, deep despair. It's probable that Zachariah and Elizabeth have been married for 70 years. Some commentators believe that Elizabeth's 89 years of age, Zachariah's 99. So it's 70 years of marriage. How many know that's a good innings? Ivan Ang here, he would know about that, cricket. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good long innings. 
But think about it for a moment. It's a long time to be childless when you want a baby. It's a long time to be without children. It's a long time to be barren and to carry the stigma of barrenness. Barrenness was legal grounds for divorce in the day. Which when you think about it, gives testimony to Zechariah that he didn't choose that option, but stayed with his wife, even though she didn't produce a son. Barrenness was a reproach for a woman. Some believe it was judgment for a secret sin. Or at least it was evidence of divine disfavor. Imagine carrying that. For 70 years. I'm sure that they started off with high hope. Most married couples do. They start off with high hopes for a family. High hopes for children. In the context more than likely for Zechariah. High hopes for a son. But high hope over 70 years, perhaps leads to deep despair. High hope that descends to deep despair. And at some point, you stop believing. At some point, you stop praying. You ever been there? You ever had high hopes for something and, and you prayed and, and you fast and, and you worship and, and you knock and you, you, you keep on knocking and you seek and, and you keep on seeking and, and you keep petitioning God. God but, but at some point, those high hope begins to descend into deep despair. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart grow weak. Maybe Zachariah now has a weak heart. I understand hope and I love hope. Hope expects. I like faith. Faith believes. Perhaps years of deferred hope has made his heart weak. Maybe faith has dried up. Maybe the stigma of barrenness and the isolation and the reputation has caused Zechariah to no longer have faith in his God. Have you been there? Maybe you are there. High hope has become deep despair and the promise seems a million miles away. In fact, we could go even deeper and we could say that maybe now we're in a place where God doesn't care. Maybe now we're in a place where we don't believe prayer works anymore and so we stop praying. Maybe we go even deeper and we believe God has completely forgotten His promise, His word to us. You know, the one thing I've discovered is that both high hope and deep despair require faith. High hope needs faith. Deep despair needs faith. Somehow you and I, in those times, 
not only high hope, but definitely deep despair. We need to somehow locate faith in Jesus. Somehow we have to locate faith in His promise, faith in His presence, faith in His power to do that which we see as being unattainable. Come on, church. To locate that promise and have faith attached to it, to keep on believing, keep on believing, to find faith in His presence. When we come to church, not only then, but it's not just a song service, it's an opportunity to extend faith. You know, they say worship is the highest level of faith. And if we can find faith in His presence and find faith in His power, it will help us to continue to believe to believe. And my Bible tells me there's a time for everything. Come on, a time for everything. Go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Everything under heaven is given a time and a season. How many of you know that God has a timetable for the seeds of our faith? God has a timetable for the seeds of our prayers. Sometimes we just have to keep on praying, keep on hoping, yes, keep on believing, yes. I was born in England in 1965. I was adopted out when I was 10 days old and my mum and dad came, they took me and, and we came to Australia. And the reason we came to Australia probably to, 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 to leave that area, that village that we lived in, the doctors had told my parents that, uh, my mother in particular, that, that you would never have a child. They'd had a little girl called Andrea and, and she passed away about six months after she was born. And, and so that's the reason they adopted. When we came to Australia, just out of honour, they went to church. In fact, I discovered after my parents both passed away, my mum gave me a little package with all these notes and different things in it. And, and I read this letter from the Church of England, who were the adoption agency at the time. The Church of England back then uh, had, a, had a ministry in, in, in taking unwanted children and finding homes for them. And on that piece of paper, it said to my mum and dad, we trust that you will uh, find enclosed the invoice uh, for me, which was one pound. Uh, <laughs> Why are you laughing? We're 10 pound poms, you know, those, those poms, you know, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an 11 pound pom, you know. Ten pound to get here, one pound to buy me. And I read this little sentence that said, we hope that you'll find the invoice enclosed and be able to donate to the Church of England. But also please consider to raise this boy in the church. When we got to Australia, the only reason we went to church, Pastor Ann, the only reason my parents went to church was simply to honour that. But when they got to church, Jesus grabbed hold of them. And they got wonderfully saved and ended up becoming pastors. When my mum got saved, she heard about miracles. <laughs> you know, we come to church and, and you hear, you know, your pastoral staff and Pastor John preaching about miracles. And, and, and we know miracles. We, we, we hear, we see, we, uh, maybe we believe, maybe we don't. But, but they're not necessarily foreign to us. My mum and dad had never heard a miracle. What's that? But she took on board and she started to pray for her own children. She said, God, would you heal me? Would you heal me? The doctors have said that, that I can no longer have you know, children uh, of my own in that sense. So, so would you bring healing? Would you bring a miracle? Maybe she read this story. 
And God brought healing. After years and years and years and years of praying, 15 years of praying and believing for a miracle, and God answered, and my mum had two sons, and I have two brothers. Sometimes you pray for five minutes, and there's the answer. (laughs) Sometimes it takes longer. But you know, I've discovered whether it's five minutes or 15 years, it needs faith. It needs faith. You know, I kind of feel that hope sometimes, we hope and we hope. And I, I know hope is one of the great three virtues uh, that Paul talks about. Faith, hope and love being the greatest. And, and I subscribe to hope. And uh, there are many things that I'm hopeful for. Sometimes I think to myself, you know, my hope that I have is based in what I can do and, and what I can say and, and, and what I'm expecting. But you know, faith's different to that. Maybe while the object of hope is myself, faith has a different object. And the object of our faith is Jesus, who is the author and the sustainer and the finisher of our faith. And sometimes I think we have to uh, steal ourselves in his word and, and, and add faith to hope, add faith to the promise and believe in God that he has heard our prayers whether it was yesterday or 15, 20 years ago. And he is faithful. He is faithful. He watches over his word to perform it. I wonder what promises you're holding on to today. I wonder what prayers you're praying today. I wonder if you've stopped praying. I wonder if you've stopped hoping. I wonder if you've stopped believing and exercising in faith. I trust today the spirit of God will speak to you. And stir faith in you to believe, to believe, to believe. My third observation is that no word from God is void of power. No word from God is void of power. Let's turn to Mary's response now. She says, and she has two responses. She says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. And then she says, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to your word. One of the great statements of faith in the Bible. Be it unto me then, according to your word. Mary, this youthful village maiden, a virgin engaged to be married, daily going about her humble duties. Notice with me here in the, in the original language, her first response is one of surprise, not disbelief. She asks for no evidence. We know that because if it was anything but surprised, she would have received the same consequences as Zechariah did. Her second response, though, is more interesting. I am the Lord's servant, she says. I'm a handmaid, a slave, a bond servant. She communicates here submissiveness and obedience to the angel. Interestingly, she becomes the mother of the one who said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus himself was submissive and obedient to the will of the Father. Be it unto me, according to your word. She believes the promise. You see, no word from God is void of power. Power to miraculously cause a youthful virgin to conceive and give birth to a son. She believed. She believed. 
a 16, 17-year-old virgin believes. A 99-year-old priest loving God, serving God, ministering, not just in the outer courts, but in the Holy of Holies, there burning incense at the altar of worship. Somehow he doesn't believe. I grew up in Adelaide and my parents had a yellow HD Holden, bright canary yellow, embarrassing. Made even more embarrassing when the back window was plastered with Christian stickers. Just drop me off round the corner, Dad. <laughs> now I know where my girls say that to me. You know, just drop us off round the corner. I mean, hang on a minute. We've got a BMW. We haven't got a yellow, you know, canary. Uh, just drop us off round the corner, Dad. <laughs> One of those stickers on the back of that car said, God said it. I believe it. <laughs> and that settles it. I wrestle with that a little bit, but... God said it, Mary believed it, and that settled it. What a wonderful response. Interestingly here, for Mary's first response, the angel encourages her. In verse 36, he says, based on her response, hey, hey, Elizabeth, your relative, is also going to have a child. You know, the one who can't conceive. She's going to have a child because no word from God will fail. You know, eventually Zechariah experiences this truth, doesn't he? When God's word pierces the darkness of barrenness and gives birth to life. I wonder what promise you're holding on to. Can I speak to it this morning? Will you allow the the word of the Lord to speak to that promise? Speak to that that word. Speak to that thing that that is in your heart. It's in your spirit, we might say. That, that, That word, that promise that you've been carrying many, maybe for many, many years of faithful service and and faithful church attendance and 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 serving God. Can I speak to it? That thing that you haven't seen the reality of it yet. You haven't seen, uh, you haven't given birth to it yet. Can I speak to it and say, no word for from God will fail. No word from God will fail. That which he's promised, he watches over. That which he has declared in heaven, we will see it here on earth. You will see it. You will see it. My fourth observation is found in the name Zechariah. Zechariah, the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. Zechariah means the Lord remembers. I wonder if you know what your name means. I have two names. My birth name, Wayne, which means truck driver. (laughs) And my new name, Jeremy, which means, wait for it, anointed of God. (laughs) Not that you can't be an anointed truck driver. For any truck drivers here, there's a lot in a name. Well before Zechariah prayed, in fact, well before he was born, well before he was married and even was thinking of children, he had been named the Lord remembers. 
and 99 years of age, 70 years of marriage, years of hope and faith and prayer, God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten. Their prayers, though, notice this, and this is what I like about this. I'm sure their prayers were private and personal. I'm sure their prayers were attached to them being blessed. God, give us a child. Give us a son. We're looking for a family that we might be a blessed family. Bless us. I can imagine Zachariah saying, bless me. I can imagine Elizabeth saying, bless me with the children. We know that the fruit of the womb is the blessing of the Lord. And so it's a private and a, it's very much a personal prayer. But notice the way God answers the prayer in a very public way. <laughs> and not so that only Zechariah and Elizabeth would be blessed, but that the whole earth would be blessed. That's amazing. The exceedingly abundantly above of God. I'm going to bless you. I'm remembering your prayers. I'm remembering. And you know what? Now, age is no issue for me. You're going to have a child now. And this child, you'll call him John. And he'll be great. And he'll be a blessing to millions and millions and millions and millions of people. You will be blessed But, you know, the way God answers prayer, he's not just thinking of blessing you with your answered prayer. He's thinking about others. I ask myself, if God was to answer my prayer, would I be the only beneficiary? Would I be the only one that is blessed? Or if God answered my prayer, or rather when he answered my prayer, how many countless people would be blessed with my answered prayer? It's a different perspective. I want to be blessed, but... I want others to be blessed as well. The language of unbelief. Church, guard your heart. Guard your heart from unbelief. Starts in the heart and then it comes out of your mouth. So guard your heart against unbelief. High hopes, deep despair, add faith to that. Knowing that no word from God will ever fail. And keeping in mind, he hasn't forgotten you. He remembers. He remembers. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.